BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode, I am joined by Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus to recap some of the big takeaways from the 2022 NFL Draft, you know, discussing some of the process stuff by these teams and of course, some of the wide-ranging fantasy football impacts and ways to attack the betting markets as a result of who was selected in the draft. I think you guys will enjoy this conversation. If you want to support the show, you can get bonus episodes on patreon.com slash takecast. That's uh, always awesome when you guys do that. Or you can just leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone, welcoming Kevin Cole back to the program. We got NFL draft takes. We got to fire off. It is uh, Wednesday, May 4th right now. And, uh, you know, everyone hates Ryan Tannehill right now because he said he didn't want to mentor Malik Willis. But we, we've got lots of new data, new, new data points for how teams are making decisions, which teams are good, which teams are bad. And uh, I, you know, I thought it was a pretty interesting draft. Uh, one of the one of the more interesting drafts to follow. I didn't watch the broadcast very much, just on Thursday night. Apparently, people said it was awful TV. Um, so take that for whatever yeah. it's worth. I, I didn't. I was kind of just tuning into the uh, you know God paid the bills here at PFF uh, draft show there. I tried to do both at the same time. I guess I'm just not a multiple TV guy. Um, so I was doing that most of the time. I think you get a little better coverage than you get whoever's you know some player from two decades ago reading off the card and screaming into the microphone about who's actually being drafted it's so late the picks were happening so much later than it was getting reported I felt like it was the worst ever as far as what was being reported on Twitter versus when the actual pick was coming out I was getting picks like multiple picks sometimes ahead of when they were actually coming out yeah, I so I did the ship the the ship chasing broadcast and yeah. uh, the underdog show, and yeah. it was like, and I had the the broadcast up on my phone, and I mean, we would literally be talking about like on the show, we'd be talking about two pick, we we'd be talking about you know pick eighteen and pick sixteen was about to happen on the broadcast or whatever. Also, the last. 19 through 32 picks sucked it's uh, that sucked because we were all waiting for the chiefs to take a wide receiver for the cowboys to take a wide receiver for the bills to maybe be dumb and take Brees hall you know is pickens gonna go is this gonna be the most wide receivers that ever go in the first round we had six go between pick 10 and pick 18 and then it was just defensive players and it's just like 
I'm not here for this. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually got involved a little bit in the in the mocking process, but I'm always wrong on this. I mean, I concentrate more on the skill position guys. So I think I had Pickens and Sky Moore sneaking into the first round, and that was way off. I bet I bet over six and a half wide receivers and Pickens under 32 and a half. So mm-hmm. there was like a moment on the like the Vikings are about to pick at 32, and I'm like this could be my best ever NFL draft betting year or just, you know, another like fine picking up nickels off the street type year. So I was really hoping or, or for the Packers to come up to 32 for Christian Watson is kind of what I was hoping for. And uh, I mean, it's, it, you know, it was a, but it was a good, it was a good first round, but one of the things I, I wanted to focus on to begin with is, you know, kind of how we about like, and we should evaluate these teams drafts at the time in which they happen. You know, I think, grading a draft three years later is is kind of a meaningless exercise but it does feel like our main way for evaluating if a team had a good draft or a bad draft is uh how they drafted relative to mock drafts right so the chiefs had a good draft because they got a bunch of guys after they were mocked the ravens had a great draft because they you know basically it's the it's the equivalent of the auto drafter just drafting off of adp and getting every guy who slides 10 picks past Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. The idea that you cannot grade a draft right when it happens, you know, this thing that we're going to hear all the time from people who think they're, they have some sort of novel point or something like that. It'd be like, well, guess what? We don't know what's going to happen. We have to wait till, you know, whether or not they get in the hall of fame 20 years from now, then we can decide whether it was a, whether it was a good draft or not. I mean, that's stupid, right? That's stupid. But at the same time, the problem is most grading, most grading that we see on the drafts are also stupid. So like the way they're done are, are pretty stupid because they're done by the same people who are coming up with these big boards and ranking players. So what else are they going to do other than tell us, oh, this guy went way before where I had him ranked. So this is bad. And this guy went way after where I had him ranked. So this is good. And that's what that's what ends up happening there. So there has been research done on this. Timo Risque here at PFF. He did some research on this and it goes along with what's logical and you know broad picture is reaches are more likely to be actual reaches as far as the value that you're getting versus the expected sure. at that position then steals are likely to be steals there's steals are not really a thing maybe a slight bit of a thing reaches are a thing and, and the logical thing is you only need one team to make a mistake to reach on a player you just need one team to turn in that card for a steal, if someone falls 10 spots, you need nine teams to be making a mistake and then someone to take advantage of it. So it's just much more likely, logically, that one team like the Patriots this year are just throwing that card in way before everyone else. So that, I mean, and that that does make sense, right? The, the Patriots, right? They take yeah. Cole Strange at 29. They take Tyquan Thornton, who is like expected to be a fourth round wide receiver at 55. Uh, and then, you know, the converse is, oh, the Ravens. The Ravens, oh my gosh, no team. We can't, we can't keep letting them get away with this, right? The, the breaking bad gift. And it's like, yeah. I mean, the Ravens probably had a pretty good draft, but I, I mean, I, I don't really, I don't have an in-depth scouting report on Kyle Hamilton or whatever, but I do feel like our priors also really factor into this, right? Where it's like, we ex- at this point in Bill Belichick and the Patriots organization where they are at, we expect them to have a bad draft. So when they do something like take Tyquan Thornton in the second round, we just are like, that's a bad pick. Whereas the Ravens take some safety three picks after he's expected to go on the grinding the mocks thing. And we're like huge value, like smash. He's going to, he's a football player, you know? 
yeah, yeah. I mean, this part of the whole draft discussion, it's why it's, it's hard to discuss the draft without being a little overly negative because it's, it's, it is about avoiding mistakes, though, I feel like, in the most part, when you're looking at these things. So, yeah, for the Ravens, we're not going to praise them a ton for definitely getting steals, but I think it's less likely that they make mistakes. And the one thing that I factor in, so if I'm going to say I'm not going to give too much credit for steals, I'm going to give a little bit more of a negative for reaches. The one thing that I'll give basically full credit for is when a team trades back and they accumulate value that way. So that's one way where most people don't put this into their draft equation at all. But even if you look at like the Ravens taking Tyler Lindebaum in, in the first round, not really earlier than his DK over under on his draft position. Yeah, later than his uh, expected big board position, but he's a center. So what does it mean? But they did also trade back a couple of spots and picked up a little incremental value, which just gives you more margin for error. So I feel like that is the biggest thing for all these teams. Give yourself more margin for error because you are going to make mistakes and it's kind of avoiding giving yourself less margin for error. And that's what most teams do is, is, is they don't give themselves enough margin for error because they just know that this guy is the guy. Now, is there a point of diminishing returns on trading back? Like how many, like how many third round picks would you have to give to make up the difference of the 15th round pick? Like could, is the entire, and, and you only have so many roster spots, right? Like that's the, yeah. that's the other thing is you only have 52 roster spots, probably what, what do you think? Most teams probably know 35 guys who are stone cold for sure, making the team not being cut. So it's like, how many third round picks does a team really need? Yeah, I mean, theoretically, there are constraints on, you know, how many players you can properly coach, how many players you can fit on the roster, all these sorts of things. But I don't know, just for people I spoke with who are in the NFL also, I don't think that's a big problem. I don't think they're like, oh, you know what? We got too many players here. We, we have too many guys. I think they want to take looks at more and more players. And what teams find out, even though we love to say, if you don't know anything about guys after the rookie season, we don't know anything for so long we got to give them time to develop we get the reality is these teams know pretty early pretty not that's with, that's something yes. i've really come around on is I we're talking teams, like rookie mini camp they kind of they know sometimes whether these guys are good or not so just getting yourself more looks there does not mean you have to fully develop this player this third round player for his entire four-year contract give yourself more of those early looks and in this draft in particular whether it's true or not i don't know but the ravens the browns the colts other organizations i think is being smarter all said that because of the COVID year because players were coming out later the average age of the prospect was about a year older than in a normal draft too. Yeah. this year. Because of that, the third round, the back half of the third round, fourth round were kind of sweet spots. So picking up a couple of uh, picks there, I think maybe had enhanced value versus prior years also. Yeah, the, the, just uh, another another tangent here is like that's something I've really come around on a after just like, you know, kind of listening to lots of podcasts and reading is like coaches like get guys in for rookie mini camps. They're like, oh, shit. <laughs> this guy can't play this guy, well, this I mean, guy or, or is like not receiving the coaching. Well, like they're telling yeah. him to do something and he's just like, I, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's I've, my, my man back here, Sashi Brown, RIP Sashi, although he's with the Ravens now as their like head of football operations. So he, he was on a panel once I saw, he, he won't talk about what happened with the Browns. Right. And he won't mention player names, but it's kind of obvious who he's talking about. He said there was one time, where he drafted a, he's mentioned a wide receiver. So we know it's Corey Coleman uh, that he drafted a wide receiver. And basically two weeks into camp, 
the coaches were like, this guy's, we're done with them. Like, we don't want anything to do with this guy. And then so, we got the evidence of that. I mean, we saw the <laughs> evidence of that being true in hard knocks as he just was like complaining all the time. And like, uh, yeah. it was like alligator arming his routes and like, not, not like, like not practicing. Like we, yeah, we I mean, that, and that's that the 15th, happened. that's the 15th overall pick. Okay. That's the 15th overall pick. So if that's happening to the first draft pick that you take in the draft, the 15th overall pick, your team is like the worst roster in the NFL for that 2016 year. And their coaches are willing to be like, okay, you're, I'm done with you. Third round pick seems like it wouldn't be much of an issue just to move on from that. Yeah. I mean, and how, I mean, how often does that happen where a third round pick doesn't even make the team? Yeah, like that that can't happen that often. Like I bet no, they get it doesn't happen like that year. often. I've seen some we've seen some guys get cut. I mean, we've seen first rounders get cut after a season now, but you're right. It, it doesn't happen that often. Uh we'll see what Kadarius Tony is traded for in the next in the next month or two. That'll give us some signal on what first round picks are worth, uh, who are who are kind of malcontents. Well, they got his replacement. They drafted Wandale, right? I know. They're, 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 they're standing hard on the fact that that's not the case. They're like, oh, he, he's like Tony, but you want as many of those players as you as you, as you could have. Can you imagine like a whole offense of Kadarius Tonys running running within five yards of the line of scrimmage? That would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's that's Cliff Kingsbury's like final evolution of his <laughs> offense is just is just uh, five Kadarius Tonys, maybe maybe four Kadarius Tonys and then like one slightly larger one to play tight end to, to sub in for Zach oh, yeah. Ertz, like, like a 210 pound version of him. Uh, Drake London as the first wide receiver, he was like the most mystery box prospect to me. Cause he only played like what 30 total games in college. Maybe not even that because of the, he played eight games as a senior and I think, or uh, as a junior and then five games in 2020, like he barely played, uh, I probably would have taken Jamison Williams, honestly, as the top wide receiver, ACL and all. But uh, what did you make of that? Yeah, um, <laughs> the fact that this is the second time I'm referring to my mock draft as making myself sick. But I was going to say, I did mock Williams to the Falcons because I feel like they could have slow rolled him in a, what is kind of like a tank season anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think London is good. I think he's not uh jj or thick of white side or uh that's you know, my Nikhil, fear Nikhil my, harry my, or my fear you know. is that he is pac 12 stud jj or thick white side who scored a touch jj or thick white side his final season at stanford scored a touchdown on 18 percent of his targets <laughs> yeah i mean when i watched his highlights i did this is how i do all my scouting of course just, just bombs. putting on this just bombs highlights always when i watched it and i saw like seven straight contested catches i got a little nervous i immediately had flashbacks uh, to Ortega Whiteside and watching that, but he does a little bit. He does more than that. I did some work where I'm looking at how they, how they do contested catches versus press coverage versus not. He was in a similar ish sort of bucket to those guys, but a little bit better. So I, I think he's strong. I think he's good. I think the, the issue is the eight games in his final season. The fact that they just fed him the ball on screens and other stuff too is, you know, pumping up his production there. And I'm trying to think back to the last time we had a guy with an abbreviated but very strong final season. Well, I was, I was way over Devontae Parker him. is probably the last guy who had like a really good last year, but it was a short abbreviated year. I was way overstating the amount of college games that Drake London played, by the way, he played 20 college games uh, and he was good. He was good in those yeah. games. Right. I mean, I I'm not, I'm not trying to FUD Drake London. I did think it was a weird fit because him and Kyle Pitts kind of basically do the same thing. Like uh, well, that's um, another thing. Yeah. 
the the other thing though about Burks and and London though is like I actually don't really care if guys are getting their production on screen because NFL teams run those plays all the time. Like think of think of some of the best wide receivers in the NFL, like not Devonte Adams or Justin Jefferson, but Tyreek gets tons of his production on screens. Uh, Ceedee Lamb they run screens for him. Like that's a that's a I mean those are free yards. Like why are we punishing teams for like like why would we punish Drake London when his NFL team should probably ask him to do that? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think maybe it harkens all the way back to uh, Cordero Patterson and the fact that he was like so much of his production was on screens when he was in college. He just didn't have that much production. So I think that's probably a bigger problem. Bigger problems if you have a lot of screens and you're not actually even catching the ball that much as a wide receiver. That's not the problem with London or with Burks. And when it comes to Burks versus London, I think we clearly saw that the NFL decided the top tier of receiver was it was it was London, not in this order necessarily, but the top tier London, uh, Wilson, Olave, and then Jameson Burks. Williams because Burks is not in there though because I heard See, I, I I I think no, I from think, the NFL's perspective from the NFL's see, perspective because the Ravens were at fourteen they said they were getting calls from people in the twenties about trading down probably okay. for a wide receiver. And when Williams was gone, those calls, that was it. They, okay. No one else, no one else wanted to come up for Dotson or for Burks. Yeah. I mean, I think I thought my, my take was Dotson was the worst pick of the first round. My, my thought would be that uh, if you, if, it was a if, weird if, trade back. It was a weird trade back to take yourself out of the top guys. And then draft well, maybe, I mean, on their, on their board, maybe they view Dotson and Alave as very similar. Would, would kind of be my guess. Yeah, clearly. Clearly, yeah. But my thought would be is that if you got uh, if you got the big boards of all 32 NFL teams and you you put them together, the Commanders would have been the high point on Dotson. And a lot, I I I would think probably a lot of teams had him in the Sky Moore George Pickens range of of like talent and big board. And like I you know we're we're talking about um, you know uh, perceptions of teams influencing what we think of what they do. I mean, I just think the Commanders are hopeless. Like, I think, I don't think they do anything well uh, from, from top to bottom. So I'm just assuming that, and, and Dotson seems like a weird fit. Cause like he does the same things McLaurin does. I don't know. I thought it was not good. Yeah. I mean, and, okay, the commanders could be hopeless, but I do think we sometimes have this impression of teams from a very long timeline. And you could say this points back to ownership, right? So maybe, I, I'm, right. and that's the what I'm saying. Doesn't, I, the ownership I'm saying, doesn't change, but that's what I'm saying. You have new regimes that come in, but yet we still think like, oh, the Jets are the Jets, even when Joe Douglas came in and Joe Douglas low key, not so great also. Um, but yeah, I, I think sometimes we were reading to that a little bit too much, but I guess they tried to get some value in, in that trade back at least. It just seemed curious to me at, at the very least. Also, I want to go back to what you said about Cordero Patterson, where if yeah. he came in the NFL right now, he'd be a stud. I mean, he'd be a mega stud because there, there <laughs> okay. is, there's, there's a clear. I don't know about that. I like receivers who, who could catch the ball. That's, that's my, that's catch my the issue. ball just fine. I was watching something on him, even a scouting report. Cause I wanted to, I, I had read something when he came out about the percentage of his yards that came from screens and I couldn't find it anywhere, but I'm looking yeah. at these scouting reports and it's like, if he hands, it was just all over every single, every single one of these, but they're like, just get the ball into his hands. And, and he's a stud. Um, so yeah. I mean, Patterson was one of those guys who came to football late. He actually like ran track and, and he played yeah. at Juco. I mean, he was a right. He, he, right. He, he, before he was a Viking, he had one season of competitive experience above junior college. Like it's, it's, it, 
And and I mean, we just have seen this, right? We we saw Ayuk do this. We saw uh, Debo do this for the 49ers where like they were, they got care. I mean, Ayuk's first touchdown in the NFL was on a rush and Debo scored like nine rushing touchdowns last year. Like, like having these guys where the, just the sole goal of a play is to get the ball in their hands. Like that's so much more valuable of a thing than it was five years ago. Yeah, but I think you have to have some ability to threaten going down the field also, or else it makes it, a little difficult. So I think that's the little bit of the difference there, but what's good for this receiver class is like guys like Burks. He, he did a lot around, around the line of scrimmage, but then sometimes he went down the field and stacked guys and, and caught the ball down the field. So I'm, I mean, I'm pretty high on Burks. I don't know where Bur- Burks stand. is my, he is my one Oh one in rookie drafts, super flex or, or non. I, I, he is the top pick for me. What do you yeah, make it's of that? Tough. It's tough with hall there, but yeah, not that I, tough I, for me. I, I mean, I can, I can get with that. And I think the, the interesting thing is the over-unders are out in a few places for production for, uh, for yeah, rookies. Yeah, prize and, picks has them, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, looking, I'm just looking at DK here. So they have Burks at 869 and a half yards, which is 130 more than Drake London, who's second. And they have him at five and a half touchdowns weighted to the under. And they have Drake London at four and a half weighted to the over. So, I mean, for me, like if I was going to draft someone in Dynasty, wouldn't 10 out of 10 times you just want a rookie who was drafted, who was in the first round, who put up more production than any other rookie? Like, why would that not be the guy that you would want to have going into year two? And the betting markets are saying that that's going to be Traylon Burks right now because of his role uh, in, in Tennessee and no one to compete with. So the the. I mean, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. He's got like, as long as he's better than Robert Woods coming off of an ACL tear, he's going to get yeah. the ball a lot. So the, the Brees Hall bull case is, well, he's a really good running back prospect. His competition is Michael Carter, Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman, uh, you know, should be, and Michael Carter had a good season last year, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Discount so, CEH is what I called them coming into the league. Maybe so my, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard, hard to be worse, hard to be worse. Um, so my thing with Brees is, so he's got, he's Robert Saul is the head coach. Michael Furr is the offensive coordinator. Both of these guys, you know, are associated with the Shanahan regime. I mean, LaFleur just followed Shanahan around the NFL, right? Followed him from uh, Atlanta to San Francisco. And what, where is the evidence that we're going to get a 300 touch season out of Brees Hall? Like that's kind of, se- that seems to me what the market or, or the market is saying Brees Hall's likelihood of posting one of these insane rookie running back seasons, which happen all the time, right? Which do totally happen all the time in NFL history is greater than the chance that Brees Hall becomes uh, a CD lamb, DJ Moore esque dynasty value or whatever. And I think that seems wrong. I just think that but seems is, wrong. Is, is, the, is the narrative on Shanahan, I can't keep track of these things. Is it now that you don't, you don't want that for a running back? Cause I felt like, if you, if you rewind back five years, you would have said like, oh, look what happened with Alfred Morris. Look what happened with, you know, Kubiak again off of that tree with Arian Foster and Steve Slayton before that. And See, other guys. The, like we would have had the exact opposite. Reaction. So you're you're half right. But the, the what you want is you want to acquire running backs in those guy. offenses for cheap. You yeah, want, yeah, yeah, yeah. You okay, want okay. Elijah Mitchell, not Trey Sermon, right? You want yeah. Tyrion Davis Price, 
not breathe. I'm being serious. Like four. Maybe we don't even want Tyrion Tyr- Davis Price. He went in the third round. That's too early. That's too early for Shanahan. He's gonna well, like so- the UDFA will step in instead. And and, and and Shanahan is insane. That's the problem. He has no he, clue he is how to draft running backs or in what order to draft them. Going back to his first draft in San Francisco, during the middle of the draft, he's like, um, what's his name? Mike. Is it Mike Williams? No. No, Karen, Joe, Williams. Joe Williams. Joe Williams. He's he like traded Joe up Williams for him and never board. gave him a let's, touch. Let's put it. Let's put him back on our board. I'm putting him back on our board from off of our board. We're putting him back on the board. We're trading up to get him in the fourth round, and then he never. I don't think he ever plays like a single snap uh, for the team. So the dude has no idea what he's doing. So maybe we don't want to impute too much into that. Is that he doesn't know how to draft the better running back with with earlier rather than later in the draft. Yeah, I mean, just as we're like, just while I'm making this point. Uh, Trey Sermon was drafted with the 88th pick last year and was a first round rookie pick in dynasty drafts. Tyrion Davis price was drafted with the 93rd pick and he is maybe not even going to be selected in some of these drafts, uh, which like, that is just like an obvious like market inefficiency to me, which is that, I mean, it's sticky. People love Sermon going into the, the, uh, Oh, is that, is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like seen. At, okay, I'm trying. I'm trying to like. It's it's tough to even think back. But it was the it was the three guys in the top tier, right? It was uh, Harris, uh, Etienne, and Williams. And then commonly, he was seen as the fourth. He was seen as the most likely guy to be the fourth. So when they traded up to get him in the third round, you know, bottles were popping. Bottles were popping for people that were high on Trey Sermon. And then obviously, one of the most disappointing rookie seasons you could have with those sorts of expectations. Yeah. Um, so, oh, let's let's talk about Debo. What yeah. do you think? What do you think Debo is worth? Do you think the 49ers should pay him all this money that he's asking for? Or do you think he is the classic case of paying for past production and not future production because he just had what is going to be far and away the most efficient season of his career? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more the latter. Uh, yeah. He's, he's not going to be this efficient again. The touchdowns were insane. The rushing touchdowns in particular uh, were insane. How long those are like his expected touchdown number was, you know, half of what it ended up being on, on the season. If you just look at league averages by uh, you know, yards to the goal line uh, and, and then his targets and everything else that happened there. So definitely overly efficient. And I think the, the market kind of told us which the right thing, if you heard the, the, the offer, supposedly there was an offer where it sounded better than it actually was at first, because at first, I think it said a first round pick and a pick swap. We, yeah. You're like, oh, more than a first round pick. No, it was like a first round pick and a swap in the other direction, right? That takes value away from that first round pick. I think it was like swapping you know, your first for a second or something like that. So it would have gone in. So it would have been less than a first round pick was the compensation that we're talking about there. And where AJ Brown is getting a first round pick and a late third round pick. So vastly different markets there. And I think that's fair. And I feel like they should be paid differently also, but you know, you have the floor at Christian Kirk, which makes it, makes it difficult. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Christian Kirk ruined the NFL, right? I mean, are, <laughs> are you on, are you on, Supposedly. are you on, are you on board with this take? This is my, my biggest take of this off season is that Trent Balky ruined the I mean not ruined or made it better depending on your perspective if you like all these guys getting traded I mean in my opinion Tyreek doesn't get traded AJ Brown doesn't get traded 
Hollywood Brown likely doesn't get traded, maybe does because of like the intricacies of what's going on with the Hopkins suspension and stuff. And I think Adams still probably does get traded because he is worth a lot of money. And I don't think the Packers were going to pay him. But uh, I mean, basically, and, and how good does that trade look for the Browns right now, acquiring Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, again, I don't think Cooper's seen as being on the same level as those guys, but you're definitely right. I don't know. I don't know if it's that much Kirk. I feel like the NFL, and we're seeing it, you know, how many trade uh, uh, trades happen in the draft, just period. Obviously, the Rams stuff, you know, F them picks. Uh, I think it's like a FOMO aspect now where they used to be people were risk averse to trade away picks for players because of those players bust you're you're screwed and you're going to get fired but now it's like your fear of missing out of, of the upside of potentially building those sorts of players so i think more than anything what's happened this season is teams are willing to trade away a lot for these for these players so i don't know if it's christian kirk as much as saying we're going to give you a first round pick and then a few more picks for tyree kill i'm not sure if teams be willing to do that for you know a 28 year old wide receiver a couple of years ago. I feel like that kind of greased the wheels more than even the salary stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's interesting. Like, and I guess, yeah, because wide receiver is a more premium position now. So it makes more sense. Like trading a first round pick for AJ Brown is like kind of a move you have to do. If you want to be a serious team, like you can't, you can't really get away with Jalen Guyton as your second wide receiver anymore. Like you just, you got to have, which I think is why Mike Williams just got all that money. Like, like uh, teams have definitely learned that quarterback production is like very sensitive to wide receiver quality. Yeah. 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 I mean, and these are almost, you know, Godfather kind of offers. It's tough to say, nah, we'll pass on taking all of these picks and then potentially have to pay our guy a certain amount. So I don't know. I I don't know. I, I do think though, for like the AJ Brown, of the world and the Debo that's when the Christian Kirk money becomes interesting because you're like AJ Brown, he's signing this deal, an extension four years, 25 million a year. He still has this fourth year of his deal for 4 million added into it. So it's a $21 million a year for five years. Christian Kirk is starting his contract immediately. 18 million a year for four years, I think. Right. So, and his older are actually kind of close. Those are actually kind of close ish. You know, like Christian Kirk is 25 and AJ Brown is 24. So it's like, it's like you also are are like a year young. I guess I thought Christian Kirk was older than that. I mean, it's a bad contract by the Jaguars, but also like they're yeah. the Jaguars and that's what they have to do. I feel like we see bad Conley. What was, what, what did Galladay get last year from the Giants? He got, he four, got the bag. Four years, 72 million. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys get the bag in free agency. So I don't think that, that yeah, that that was the driving factor as much as teams being willing to to trade everything away. And I thought it was like a, like a rookie quarterback thing which has been the case most of the time but Derek Carr doesn't fall into that situation but we definitely saw that here with AJ Brown right he's going Jalen Hurts is making like $800,000 a year or something like that it's 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 insane how much cap space that gets that gets cleared up from that well it is it is um interesting that like the the old knowledge in the NFL is that to have elite wide receivers you pretty much have to draft them like the 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 means of acquiring one of the 10 best wide receivers in the NFL just used to basically be impossible, right? The guy like uh, our, our buddy Cleve TA, uh, I remember he tweeted out like the last 10 years of wide receiver free agency. And there were like no hits, like literally yeah. like not one it like, and 
uh, you know, the, the digs thing really fell in the Vikings lap. And I think may, maybe that was the start of it where trading a first round pick for a wide receiver actually seems pretty good now. Like it, because you, you, um, you would probably rather be the guy, the team knowing, well, shit, we just got AJ Brown instead of, well, there's a 25% chance that trail on Burks is going to be as good as AJ Brown, even though you are obviously paying them more money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was like why receivers changing teams is bad. Like we don't know if they're necessarily that good or not when the truth was probably those free agent wide receivers were just not any good. I mean, but you can still say that receiver is a player you have to draft in a way because it's still not free agents that are any good. It's still, you got to trade away something to get them. So you maybe not drafting them directly, but you're using substantial draft capital to go get them. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster signing in free agency, Marquez Valdez-Scantling <laughs> signing in free agency. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to put the nail in that coffin yet. I actually, yeah. I'm, my take is that the Chiefs are not going to take uh, the massive step back that people were anticipating on this trade. I, I think that they're going to kind of cobble it together. I can't tell if that's pure hopium. Like, I can't tell if that's my brain tricking myself or if this approach of like, I mean, they have 13 wide receivers under contract right now. So like, I, I just, I can't tell if this is me hoping or, or actually being like, well, they kind of have a plan here and maybe it works. Yeah. I mean, it's probably safe to bet on the quarterback without the top wide receiver versus the the reverse, right? Like Tyreek Hill's production is probably going to plummet vis-a-vis what's, whatever happens to, to his, his ADP is still crazy high, by the way, if you're, if you're drafting in fantasy football right yeah. now, he's like an early yeah. second round pick. And I just, there's like, I don't see any way he pays that off. I, I Waddle would have to like disappear. Waddle would have to become like, not a thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And again, your, your, your new Shanahan disciple who talks about Running the he football seems, like, he like seems a like a donkey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he kind of, the problem is his like affectation when he talks, he kind of seems like he's, he's almost stoned or something like that. He, he, he doesn't, he doesn't seem smart, even though he, I guess he's a Harvard, Yale, Harvard. I don't know. He went to one of those Ivy, I think Yale. I don't remember. He went to one of those Ivy League schools. Um, so he doesn't sound great. But then when he speaks sometimes, and I clipped him a couple of times when he was talking about uh, fourth down stuff and he was talking about running the ball. He just starts talking without really knowing what he's going to, what he's, what he's going to say. It sounds really bad. He's like, I'm an absolutist about not being an absolutist about things about fourth down decisions. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? I don't even know. Like, then you are an absolutist, right? Cause you just said you're, but it, it, yeah, he also said running the ball. What did, what did he say? Like keeps the ball away from the other team. He was like, yeah. he's like, you, he's like the other team can't score if they don't have the ball. And I'm like, dude, like it's the number of possessions that <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens with that. It was just very rudimentary sort of things, but coaches don't have to know that shit to, to be good. I mean, we've seen that with, with Shanahan himself. Is Shanahan a good coach though? I think, I mean, he seems like he schemes stuff pretty well. You got, you get, I mean, doesn't how he much have a better losing, production, how much better a... production do you want out of Jimmy Garoppolo? He's top three quarterback in EPA per, per drop back over his career over the last few years. So what's, what's going to yeah. happen there? What's going to happen is Jimmy, Gar- are we just, are we running back Jimmy Garoppolo again as the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers? I'm, I don't think, I'm, I don't think they can. I don't think I'm they can. The di- I'm but a, I was worried. being, I was being yelled at a year ago for saying there was a, there was a good chance that we we're going to get like an Alex Smith type of 
season out of Jimmy Garoppolo. Everyone's like, that's insane. They're not going to pay him $25 million when they can cut him for nothing. Now it would be insane if they did it this year, that would be like, you basically admit that Trey Lance is God awful, that the guy stinks. Right. And do we have any 49ers player on their record saying they want Trey Lance to be the quarterback? Because I've heard through, I've we're heard not through, really in that season yet, but are we in that season or not? Well, I've heard through back channels, and this could uh-huh. be true or not true, that part of this fracture between Debo and the 49ers organization is that Debo is like, I don't fucking catch passes from this guy. This guy stinks. <laughs> yeah, that could be. I mean, if I were Debo or even George Kittle or even Brandon Ayuk, like they're all doing pretty well. Ayuk had a little, you know. Things could have been better. I, some reason Shanahan again, like doghouses guys for no reason, a little yeah, bit pl- playing the behind River Crackraft. <laughs> yeah, at the beginning of the season. So, like, it's logical for those guys because let's face it, they're thinking about themselves more than they're thinking about like, oh, what, what, how are we going to win a Super Bowl? They should be at least, or at least, you know, thinking about both. Right? It's logical for those guys to say, hey, I'm a first team All Pro wide receiver with Jimmy Garoppolo. I'd like to run that back. That sounds good to me, right? Versus yeah. bringing in an unknown. And I do, I believe the Shanahan did not want Trey Lance. And, and I believe that too. It. Was I, believe, into it. I believe he wanted Mac Jones and was yes. basically bullied into people saying like- The guy loves Kirk Cousins and, you know, uh, Brian Hoyer types and, you know, Matt Ryan CJ, and CJ Beathard. Yeah, so Nick he Mullins. likes guys. He likes guys that are just going to go out there and just execute. You know, just, just try to be a, try to just throw the ball. Like, like those Debo, like Debo, is he, what is he going to do with Trey Lance? Trey Lance is going to try to bomb the, the ball over the top. What, what Garoppolo was good at was, and it ends in an awful looking interception, one out of every, you know, 20 passes, but uh, just fire the ball right into the middle, right between the zone, right, you know, over some guy's head, potentially tipped interception. And Debo would catch that at the perfect moment and be able to run an additional 30 yards after that. Is Trey Lance going to do that? Most quarterbacks, you know, aren't that type of guy. He's not that type of guy. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, I don't know. It, it does feel like there is a world where we live in where like Trey Lance never enters a season as the starting quarterback for the 49ers. I really hope this is not true. The market is saying it's not true. You know, these, these fantasy, like the best ball championships and stuff, but Jimmy Gra- and, and the Panthers uh, don't have the cap money anymore after, after everything that, that went down with, they could get it. But as of right now, they don't seem like the team that's going to take on Jimmy. And it did seem like that for a while. Well, I mean, the, the quarterback market is definitely thin as far as teams that want quarter. I mean, that's, that's why these guys fell in the draft. I think too, there were just fewer teams out there than we think who want a quarterback. So Baker and Jimmy are, I don't know. There's, I don't know where they're going to, I don't know where they're going to go right now And Carolina. Yeah. You can't be like, Oh, you know what? We have Sam Darnold paying him 18 million and we're going to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo and pay him $25 million a year. That's that, that's it. That's, that's not a recipe. You can, well, it feels like, feels like Baker's going to Seattle, right? feels like that's what's going to happen. I don't know. I guess so. I don't know. I don't know what Seattle's plan is. They're drafting fucking running backs in the second round. I don't know what the hell they're doing. (laughs) Kenneth, would it surprise you to know that Kenneth Walker is the, uh, the consensus like 1.3 right now in rookie drafts? Cause that really surprised me when I did my ranks. Yeah, no, that would, that would surprise me. I mean, they have Chris Carson re-signing Chris Carson 
a couple of years ago was like a big thing for them. And so they re-signed Chris Carson. He plays what four games. They've already paid the guy like $6 million. He's probably never going to, he might never play for them again. They re-signed Rashad Penny, former first round pick for okay money. $6 and million. They, dollars, now I think. Draft, yeah. Now, now they draft, now they draft a guy in the second round. It's just incredible, incredible content for to see Seahawks fans who I think are generally sharp because so Russell funny. Wilson, because it's Russell so Wilson funny. was, was like an analytics guy versus Andrew Luck. Like he had the better numbers. So that whole fan base got pushed, I believe, a little bit towards being a sharper fan base in order to justify Russell Wilson. And now it's just pain. well, and they were the um they were the DVOA champions too for like two yes. years in a row. They were like the number one team in football outsiders, DVOA. So like uh, our buddy Ben Baldwin, uh uh Zach Whitman, some of these guys are like big noted Seahawks fans. And then the organization has just done a total heel turn to become I, I don't know. It's like, I think Pete Carroll, like maybe wants to be Bill Belichick or something. And like, that's part of what is playing into this is like, he just wants to play his boomer ball. Oh, well, he clearly believes. I mean, I don't think these guys are, you know, trying to lose. He clearly believes you run the ball and you play defense. And then you, you get a little few little marginal gains through throwing the ball. And that's, that's that. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, would, would you, if you're a Seattle fan, would you be happy about Baker Mayfield going there? I don't know what sort of. I would, but I'm an Oklahoma fan. So I, I love Baker. And I, I, I mean, I think Baker throwing to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf with the two new tackles they drafted, if they're any good, like, I think that team could be decent. Yeah, but I think it could be okay. That's not I was wondering if Baker, if Baker had a chance to go to Detroit. That was one I was thinking about him, only because John Dorsey is there who drafted Baker. And. Yeah. Detroit might say to themselves, you know, we're going to be good this year. You know, maybe, I don't, I don't know. They, they're, they're, Defense they're in, is still pretty bad. They're in like greatest draft ever mode. Everyone in the city of Detroit, you know, it's like, it's like, this is like the loser Super Bowl after a draft week when everyone, all the Jets fans and Lions fans are just, like, I mean, don't, don't put that evil. Don't put that out. evil. Don't put that evil on just them because chiefs fans are doing the same thing. Chiefs fans are, are, <laughs> You know, I all I am a nominal Chiefs fan. I, I really am more just like a Patrick Mahomes fan, but I do love I love the Chiefs. And uh, you know, I'm in a all my friends, we're all from Kansas and everything. And we have our big group chat with all of our buddies in our fantasy football league, and we're all passing around, you know, the breathless A plus grades on on their draft. And oh, Carflitis was a huge steal, and Sky Moore is gonna be amazing. And oh my gosh, they got a starting cornerback in the third round, and you know, all this stuff. So it's not just it's not just the loser teams. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, but the difference is you do that during the season too. Like there are things to celebrate also during the season for sure. Jets fans or for Lions fans, like this is it. This is like this is the, this is all you're gonna get, and you're gonna hope you're gonna get it in the season that's coming up, and you know, that's to be determined at best. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what do you, what did you make of the Sky Moore selection? Are we, is Sky Moore like, have they, we already found the new Tyreek Hill? Yeah, I don't think we found the new Tyreek. I mean, I wouldn't even like Tyreek Hill that much coming out. That shows you like how you can be wrong, so wrong about sure. some of these guys. Um, I think it was a good pick. I was surprised, but not surprised that he fell to there. I mean, there's a little bit of like the small school sort of bias. I could see why he fell to there. I thought he was going to go earlier. He had a, over under in the mid thirties or maybe 40 um, on, on DraftKings. So at 55, he went well over that number. I mean, when I model things out, it, he looks like a second tier guy. Um, he should be like a second tier guy as opposed to 
seeing him, you know, going after the one Dale Robinsons and Tyquan Thornton's of the, of the world. How does Tyquan uh, Thornton get drafted ahead of Sky Moore? I mean, what are the Patriots? Happens doing? every year. I mean, happens every year, right? Like D Eskridge going pretty early last in the second McCole round. McCole Hardman going ahead of DK Metcalf to the Kansas year. City Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. Paris Campbell also went earlier uh, that that year. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's funny that the the, the small fast guys have been just total busts in the second round, like the Andy Isabella types, McCole Hardman types. And then the big guys have fallen for no reason. I guess Moore is over 200, right? So Sky, yeah. Yeah, so he's, I think. So, I mean, my, whatever, my, my models put him in, in the similar sort of category as those first round. Oh, no, like no, he's, he was 190. He's 190. Oh, he is? Okay, okay. Yeah. They put him in the, same, in the same category as someone like Olave or someone like that. Yeah. So we'll uh, see. I'm, I'm pretty bullish. I'm pretty bullish on, uh, on him. I mean, okay. Is Bill Belichick, was it just all Brady? Was it just all, I, I mean, at the end of the day, was it just all, these drafts are so bad, it's like parody at this point. I mean, this it's like every year, he just takes the 25-year-old safety, a lineman, three rounds too early. So, like, Tyquan Thornton is like not even ever going to play for them, and he's like a horrible fit. I, just what what is happening in this building? I, I don't know. I mean, they haven't been drafting that well, but no, I don't think he's bad. I mean, I think, Again, the by the things that I believe you can really fully judge someone on trades. Again, they trade Trading it back, back in this one. Yep. They trade it back. They gain some value. They consistently do that. They let players walk. They don't sign guys to huge deals and then get stuck underneath a mountain of dead cap. So, you know, they do those incremental things. This, I agree, taking guys, you know, 40, 50 spots above where you're assuming they're going to go is not exactly – uh, oh, winning hashtag winning, but it's to me, it's, it's less, as long as he's doing the other things, right. Then I can cut him some slack on this, but are they doing the other things, right? Well, they trade it back. Like I said, they trade it no, back. No, They're... I mean, just mean like as an organization, like well, I thought their free agency was awful last year. And now, I mean, teams will say, you'll say like scoreboard that they did pretty well during the season, but I think that was mostly not even their free agents that had to do with that. I mean, the Aguilar born, uh, I thought Hunter Henry was good though. Like I, mean, I, I did six, agree with $16 that million dollars for John New Smith. And now they're talking yeah. about converting him to fullback. Cause he's so useless in their system. I mean, if, if Mac Jones didn't fall to them last year, last year could have been, I was, I, I mean, I was obviously way too early on this one, but I was basically saying this is like potential last hurrah for Belichick a year, a year ago. And then they drafted Jones and he ended up being way better than you would have expected. If they didn't get Mac Jones, what would they have done last season? Cam Newton would have come back. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if Cam Newton came back and they spent all that money? Oh, you probably like Cam Newton, but <laughs> Cam Newton came back Not and they anymore. spent all that money and they Not spent anymore. all that money in free agency. Like what would they have done? They easily uh, could have gone like five and 12 or something, you know, and the whole thing fell apart. And then it would have been like Belichick grandpa, you know, let's get in the car. We're taking you, we're taking you to a new, but even, but even living, like the style, new living situation, but even like the style of football they're playing is like regressive. And it's like, it's yeah. like, uh, I've heard, I've heard this theory floated out that like, I mean, obviously, Belichick was ahead of the curve for a long time. They do things smart in the draft. They were one of the first teams to be really aggressive on fourth downs. But, like, Belichick was one of the guys who grinded the small edges when no other team was doing that. And now yeah. that more teams are grinding the small edges, they've lost some of their competitive advantage. 
No, oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, like their relative advantage on fourth downs has gone from being near the top to very low. And the one when I when I've shown that before, people will say like, "Oh, well, they don't have Tom Brady anymore." It's like you can't you. Like, what does that matter? Like you want to like even having Cam Newton or someone like that. Like you figure he would so he was someone you'd want to go for it on a fourth and one with more so sure. than even than even Tom Brady. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. But again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp too much on the on the reaches or the, the steals on there. I'm more just pick up that incremental value and see what happens and positional value. So of course, yeah, a guard isn't ideal in the first round. I mean, the Cowboys did it not feeling good about that. Yeah. I mean, they, everyone was putting them in for, but you, you saw that. Did you see that they actually decoded their board? The board. Yeah. Amazing work from, from uh, weirdo football Twitter to decode uh, the, the board from. So yeah, Jerry J- Jahan Dotson was like much lower than what he was in the second. He was, he had a second round grade somewhere for them. Uh, Trevor Penning is Trevor. Is it Trevor Penning or Trevor? Trevor, Trevor Penning. The, the Trevor tackle. Penning was not in the first or second round for them. Um, and then he ends up going to the new orleans saints saints i'm saying the saints are the 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 worst team worst front office in the in the i mean it's like uh, uh, people have been the the tweet the warren sharp had a warren sharp had a a great tweet about like the the list of players that were taken with the picks that the saints traded and it's like they just traded like a just like a whole boat full of useful nfl players for the pick that ended up becoming chris alave oh yeah yeah they look um yeah, I I, uh, I have Warren muted muted actually. Uh, I can't take I can't take some of the content there. Um, but uh, if you look at what they've done, they have had a few players who have hit big, um, who have lasted a long time, and those are like gold when it comes to ability to restructure their contracts and just continually kick the can down the down the road and it saved them well drew Brees saved them for a very long time and then now having a, a good players where they can just continually restructure and kick the can down the road has saved them for a while and they're still going in i mean imagine the process of saying we have no money so we're just going to get an extra first round pick everyone on the planet knew they were going to take a wide receiver and a tackle and they did yeah. and then they traded up again to get to get the wide receiver because they, they had to taken, have this exact thing. They should have just taken Burks. They could have just sat where they were and taken Burks and a tackle, and they would have been fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not a huge fan of Penning either. Maybe it's just like a. I don't like. I don't like. I don't like the penalties. The guy had like six unsportsmanlike conduct penalties last year. I'm not going to hold that against him because I think <laughs> I think my well I think my favorite guy George. Those Jenkins, are drive killers. Those are drive killers though. Yeah, I mean, you can coach that stuff, though. I guess. I mean, psycho is psycho, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I really like George Pickens, and that was being thrown out about him, that he has, like, an attitude problem and that, like, he's is going to get penalties and stuff. Like, there's, like, a whole highlight reel of him, like, literally throwing defenders to the ground at the end of run blocks because he just is, like, a psycho. He just – the guy just loves to play football. But, like, for Pickens, for me, I'm like, that's a huge – green flag i'm like i love that about this guy well it sounds like, like it goes deeper than that with with pickens i mean that's the rumor mill right for why he i don't know he fell that much but he did he fell a bit i mean he was 14 months ago the consensus top wide receiver in this class and then he gets he tears his acl and you know then all this 
whatever. I I, I didn't read it. I mean, 14 specific. months ago, Sam Howell was the number one pick. So what do you? Sp- no, Spencer Rattler was the number one pick, which is like. <laughs> well, I saw Howell in places too. Yeah, Howell was number two. Excuse me, on the PFF way too early mock. The- the rattler the rattler 101 to being benched for an 18 year old and transferring it's like it's just like it's one of the funniest storylines of that's actually more excusable in some ways like he just got outplayed by a stud right um then well except brandon williams kind of stunk it's like he he had one really good game against well Texas, initially then, initially yeah. he was good right yeah 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 um let's see what else is i mean do you have uh do you have any big takes on uh on steals guys that you you know like more than the market for these rookie drafts right now yeah i mean we talked about sky more so i know you're gonna like to hear that so yeah more is a guy that i have as a steal a very uninspiring steal that i have also at wide receiver is david bell for the browns um the wide receiver two is just like completely wide open there and, you know, he fell and they, they, they said he could play on the inside or the outside. I watched their, their press conference there. He fell because he ran the four, six, eight, and then did even worse at his, at his pro day, which is hashtag not, not ideal. Um, but still 23 years, right. Early declare 21 years old, um, had elite market share numbers, despite he was playing with Rondell Moore, um, earlier in his career. And again, he could just step right in, step right in. And when I, when I put his top comps, now the comp, now it assumed a slightly higher draft position for him, but on his top comp, top comp list, and he doesn't quite have the, the athleticism these guys do. Devontae Adams. Uh, no, uh, not, not that high, not first rounder, but Keenan Allen, Jarvis Landry, and Juju Smith-Schuster all showed up on his top yeah. 10 comps. So again, I don't think, I think those guys are more athletic than he is, but if he could be a discount version of any of those guys on a team that needs someone to step in, I mean, who is it? Donovan Peoples Jones and Anthony Schwartz, who doesn't look like, he know he didn't look like he knew how to play football basically as a 20 year old rookie. Um, he could just step right in for what, for what Jarvis Landry was doing, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's one I'm kind of reluctantly in on because uh, he was PPR so. PPR leagues, pick him up. Well, he was just so unathletic, but you're right. You're right. Uh, Yeah. David, David Bell is a good one. I mean, Mechie is, uh, is an interesting one. Yeah, Mechie is an interesting one. Is it, is an interesting name there. Uh, Jalen Tolbert, Jalen Tolbert is really interesting because if he's any good, he's going to be playing as the third wide receiver for that. And he might not be any good and they might just play James Washington, but there's a lot of opportunity for him there. I mean, my, my, my model doesn't like Tolbert as much as I like him. He's a just bombs all-star for me. When I watched him, I was like, whoa, I was like, this is, this is good. Like, this is really good. And he did. I mean, he was ridiculous in his last season. The problem is he's 23 years old uh, and he's at a small school, but yeah, his, his measurables are all good. And he had like basically a 50% market share of receiving yards in his final season, which is totally insane, but it was South Alabama as a senior. Well, South Alabama, but, uh, you know, that we, and we are still getting like the COVID ramifications from some of these guys. So it's like, who could say yeah. maybe he would have been an early declare or whatever. True. Uh, true. which is sort of it. So the, so the what, last do you, thing, what do you think about Wandale Robinson? Well, you're talking to the wrong guy because I love Wandale. Like Wandale is like, he was <laughs> well, like, what, okay, give me, give me your, give me your like arc or your range throughout the off season. Cause I feel like Wandale was a name that people knew. Right. And it, like Wandale going in the second round. 
People could have said, okay, I, I get that pre-combine. The combine happens. He falls a ton, not even necessarily for the drills, because he ran a 4-4-4, although in his first he weighed 40, 174 pounds. Yeah, in his first 40, the unofficial time was like 4-5 something. So I think people like wrote him off because his arms were like the shortest arms in the history of the NFL. And then he weighed 179 pounds. But clearly he fell after that. And now he's kind of back where some people were suspecting he was going to, he could potentially go in the first place. But yet I feel like everyone's like, this guy's dead to me. So started out super high on him. Yeah. Like maybe back end of the first round, super high. Weighs That's in, high. weighs in at 100. Well, Wandale is like just like a perfect guy for today's NFL, right? Like he but had 100. I mean, you said that about Patterson earlier. You could say that about Rondale Moore, right? And Morton is not. Well, Rondale so could be good. We'll never know because he's in the Cliff Kingsbury black <laughs> so, box. We'll never know. I feel like a lot of these guys could be good. Could like there's a lot. There's too many of these of these slash types where they're like, oh man, in the right system. Yeah, you got to go to the right system. Yeah, how come none of these guys ever go to the right system? Well, I think this one might be one because clearly they have a role. Like, I th- I mean, we've seen someone be successful in this role already, right? We, we saw Isaiah McKenzie when he was on the field was like huge success, right? Just like crushing for them. And yeah, a wide receiver. Like that's, that's, that's kind of, that's a little bit of, yeah. I mean, wide receiver who is, was he crushing? I guess he was. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. But so anyway, Wandale, if you didn't know, was actually recruited to Nebraska of all places as a running back. So like, think about, think about like the machinations that would have to go into a guy being recruited to the university of Nebraska as a running back. He does really well there for two years. Um, like averages a bunch of yards per touch, bunch of yards per carry, basically learns wide receiver on the fly, then transfers to Kentucky in the sec, totally changes positions, only gets seven carries his final year at Kentucky and dominates to a degree of like, which you never see. He had 1400 scrimmage yards. Uh, no other pass catcher on the team had more than 600 scrimmage yards. He, uh, you know, scores a bunch of touchdowns, like uh, in all their, all their big games comes through, which is something that I like to look at. Like, you know, uh, this, this goes back to, um, you know, our, our old, uh, the, the Odell Beckham thing where like he would, he got all his production against like Furman and stuff like that. And that, that didn't happen for Wandale, you know, for example, had, you know, you know, uh, his second most catches of the year was against Georgia, for example. Um, but basically he's just a profile of guy. I like, which are these slash players. He's really fast. And the second round draft capital did a lot to allay my concerns because if he was a fourth round pick he's dead we'll never see this guy he will never you'll he'll never see the light of day on an nfl field but being a second round pick is basically one vote of one very important vote of confidence that we will see him play okay so um, for running backs a couple guys just quickly uh damian pierce is probably the number one guy as far as a value type of guy just because rex burkhead and um who else do they have there? Why is the name escaping me now? Burkhead basically is his, yeah. is his competition there. So he can step right in 224 pounds, caught a 
pass and a half, not, not that bad production wasn't there, but whatever, you know, if you believe running backs don't matter, then you have to also believe it doesn't matter if they're not like that good from a production standpoint, if they fall into a good, a good spot. So he would be a guy there. And I'm like ambivalent about James cook. Some people are, some people seem to like him. And obviously he was the third running back off of the board, but I feel like during the press conference Bean said, Number one, he said he's a, he said he's a sub package back. So he said that, but we can also give him carries. So that I wasn't, ha- I wasn't like beaming about that. And then he said, we can, we can use him like another wide receiver. That's another one of these tropes where it just never happens in the NFL. They talk about that all the time about the running back. Like, oh, he can be a wide receiver. It just rarely, rarely happens. The guys who get, who've gotten the most production out wide or in the slot as running backs are like Dexter, um, Dexter McCluster, uh, Darren Sproles. Of course, Christian McCaffrey has done some of that. And then Kamara has done some of that, but it's just very rare. They talk about it a lot more than actually ends up happening. And does Josh Allen want to throw to running backs? No. So that's why I'm kind of down on cook. I mean, I, I mean, they, they clearly, uh, they clearly want him to fulfill a role because they wanted to sign McKissick or whatever, but I don't think that is necessarily going to be that high usage of a role. The guy who I think is just going to piss everyone off and, and you're going to earn profit on where he goes is Brian Robinson, where clearly the team doesn't want to give Antonio Gibson 300 carries. Gibson is, has, uh, you know, struggled with fumbles in his NFL career. They've given Peyton Barber carries in that offense. They were given freaking Jarrett Patterson carries in that offense. Uh, you know, so I, I think, uh, I think Brian Robinson might be, might be our guy. He's, he's a guy I'm already taking in, um, basketball drafts. Cause I think he just comes in right away and is getting touches this year. Yeah, no, no. I was, I was higher than consensus on him going into the draft. We'll see. Well, I'll see where, where people end up coming out on him. I'm a guy that I wasn't necessarily as high on, but now post-draft could be interesting as Tyler Algier, this guy, because fifth round, not ideal, but Falcons, Falcons. you know, they, they don't, they don't have Jack. So it's another one where if you're just looking for someone who could fall into a starter starting role, again, another 220 pounder. So he could conceivably do everything. He averaged over a couple of catches a game, um, you know, four, six, but whatever is at 224 pounds. So I'm not that, that worried about it again. Like, why not? He's a guy that I would throw something at. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that one, that one makes sense. What, what did you think of the, um, the Cardinals taking Trey McBride after giving Zach Ertz that contract extension? I thought that was very bizarre. I thought it was bizarre, but I don't, I mean, I don't scout these guys enough to really know when it comes to it, but whenever I hear anything about McBride, I'm always, I'm always shocked that He wasn't, no one was really talking about him as a first rounder, right? After we've had, I mean, freaking Hayden Hurst was a first rounder a few few years back. So I don't know. I like the talent. I think, I think teams are rightfully uh, just saying like, we can get Hayden Hurst production from Dan Arnold. So like, let's only draft athletic freak tight ends in the first round now. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. But he's pretty athletic too, right? I mean, he ran a four or five something. Um, So let's let's look at, I'm going to look at Ertz's contract here. So it looks like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess, they, I guess they have to play him through 2023. I was wondering if they could just get out after a year, and it doesn't look like they can. They can't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit curious, but we have the Hopkins stuff too. Uh, who knows 
if Hop, I mean, Hopkins already kind of talked his way out of one location. Um, they're probably regretting that contract. And now yeah. the guarantee, if there were, I don't know if there were any guarantees left, but now they're voided, of course, for Hopkins too. So, oh, knows? that's a good point. Yeah. Who knows what'll end up happening on that front? It's not, it's not a surprise to me that they, they doubled up as far as getting Marquise Brown and then also getting another pass catcher. Uh, they need some guys. What, uh, what did you, I, I thought that was a great trade by Arizona uh, and a kind of a puzzling trade by Baltimore. Um, I think it made sense from, from both sides. People were really trashing the Cardinals for it. And I think it's fine if you look at the fact that they got back a third round pick, right? So it mitigates some of the cost. They'll have them for two years for a total of, I don't know, what is it? Like 15, $16 million or something like that with the fifth year option. They can decide what happens after that. We don't really know also with Brown. I feel like he's one of those situations where if you want to just talk about guys, if you want to target like upside, quote unquote upside, then you're just like, he's a guy that could be interesting this year because we just don't know in a non Lamar Jackson offense, NFL offense, what he could potentially do. And he could have even had some big numbers last year if he could catch the ball. And I don't think he's, he's always going to drop oh, like multiple touchdowns. He was I don't like think he's always going to drop mul multiple touchdowns. I mean, he is getting open, right? He is getting open down the field for valuable catches that sounds good that sounds like a good thing and to me. The, you, the shower narrative i mean you can't beat the yeah, shower yeah narrative that, that's 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 part of it i have a little kyler, less kyler shower wins, narrative than some kyler but, wins yeah. the heisman uh hollywood wins the blitnikoff you know it's like i don't that's a pretty good shower narrative right i mean that is that is joe burrow jamar chase-esque i think yeah, yeah, and people loved. I mean, Marquise Brown was the first wide receiver taken in the in the draft with DK and Debo and all those guys. So yeah, he he obviously looked good playing with Kyra Murray before. Yeah. Um. All right. I mean, you got you got any other big uh, peccadillos or bugaboos about this draft? I think that was a pretty good conversation. No, no, I think that's yeah. I don't know. I don't have too much else going on here. I mean, it wasn't you know it was not a blockbuster. That's for sure. It was not a blockbuster, but. This no, I, I good, how good can season. you say that? Any draft, draft was not a blockbuster. AJ Brown and Hollywood Brown were traded within like 10 minutes of each other. Okay, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you that, but I'm talking about the draft itself. Like teams that are hyping fan bases that are hyping themselves up over this. It's like, I don't know. Like I saw of course now I'm calling out PFF here. I think they had someone who I don't know who it was. It's probably Sam Monson or someone was like, this is a franchise defining draft for the Detroit Lions. I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. Like they still have Jared Goff as a, as a quarterback, right? I don't, I don't I know. I think it was so stupid for for Malik Willis to be a third rounder. Like I get all the oh, criticisms. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and I'm like, totally in agreement with that. It's, he it's, can't it's throw the, same in the thing, middle though, of the field or whatever, but I don't That no one wants Garoppolo or Baker. Garoppolo and Baker would have been pretty hot commodities in most off seasons, but no one seems to want anyone. Well, I'm a big, I'm a big Matt Corral guy. So I'm very interested because I think he has the, if I were going to pick, like over-unders for for passing yards in season one for the rookies, I guess you'd have to lean Pickett because he's a first-round pick, but I'd have Corral pretty close, potentially. Yeah. Because Darnold's, Darnold's not good. We know that. Do you like any rookie of the year bets so far? Um, what was Pickens, that Pickens is 33-1. to one. Rashad White is 80-1, to one, and I kind of like that. I mean, that's a Leonard Fournette ankle turn away, I think. Um, let me look here. I do not like, well, Burks is interesting 
Yeah. Uh, even though it's plus 750. It's, so it's he's already a huge pretty price. high. Yeah. He's already pretty high. Uh, people will probably be interested in Brees Hall. I don't really see it. Uh, I don't know. I don't it doesn't know. look he's, great yet. This is this is pretty ugly. If you want to go total long shot, what what do we have here? The Rashawn White, eighty to one. I just gave it to you. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, that's not bad. That's not bad because that is that is someone who could step in. And all and... the all the people who like watch him play come away being like, that guy's sick. So I and yeah. and I I don't I don't hate Jalen Tolbert fifty to one either. But that that would also need like a CD Lamb injury probably. Yeah, I'm not big on like wide receivers potentially winning as rookies if they're well, not I think pretty the high draft picks. Well, I Damian Pierce, is... who I mentioned, Damian Pierce is is forty to one. Now the problem is like a Texans problem. I kind of like yeah, he plays uh, for Sting- a crappy team. I kind of like Stingley as defensive rookie of the year potentially at twelve to one. But I just feel like if it happens for the Texans, did, did it actually happen? Like, does it exist? Is the NFL even is anyone aware that it, that it happened? Like, if Damian Pierce has uh 1100 rushing yards does anyone care no they will they will want i mean by and large these awards are won by players on teams that are winning games yeah 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 but if you lead if you like lead the nfl in rushing or something like that that's that's helpful how is justin ross on here that's for oh the people like the people love george pickens yeah like how he didn't even have a team until like a week after the, until like a few days after the NFL draft ended. Uh, who else here? Zamir White, if you think Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I guess maybe eh, still is 60 to one. Not that great. Um, yeah, that's, what do you think why, about that's why the Daniel Jones so leading the NFL uh, in what's, what's Daniel Jones most passing yards? No, not a chance. Not a chance with the Josh Literally, Allen system I, I, here? I would, you'd have to give me like, You'd have to give me like 500 to one to bet that on Daniel Jones. <laughs> uh, Daniel Jones, how about 80 to one? He's 80 to one, right? Because now. The, the thesis behind he's below, Dan- he's below Davis Mills. He should be. <laughs> what? But he's going to have he Daniel Jones protection now. He has Brian Dable. Remember, Dable started with, with, with Josh Allen. Even Josh Allen sucked because he would, the- like, he would like throw the ball 20 straight times at the beginning of a game. The, the thesis behind Daniel Jones ex, like succeeding is that he turns into like a Josh Allen representation where a big chunk of that comes from rushing. Uh, I guess, but I'm just saying, okay, just listen to this though, theoretically, right? Here are the quarterbacks in order who are after Daniel Jones. Okay. Yeah, after a bunch, Daniel of, Jones. bunch of nobodies. Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Baker Mayfield, Taylor Heineke, Sam Darnold, Drew Locke, Justin Fields. Oh, I would bet. I would bet Fields. I would bet Fields over. Yeah, maybe. Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton. These guys are like not even gonna. Most of them are not even gonna play necessarily. So, so just like a betting philosophy thing is, I'm only making this long shot bet. That is like I'm bet. You're betting into a market. Like calculate the hold on this. I bet the hold is like thirty percent or something insane on this market. But I'm only betting on one of these mega long shots if it happening is actually gonna make me happy. Right. Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts last year, 125 to one to win MVP. That was a great bet because if it happened, it would make me happy. Daniel Jones leading the NFL in passing yards would be like a disaster for me financially anyway, because I'll have spent the whole offseason fading him, betting against the Giants, not playing him in DFS. Like it, it, it's just not likely to be a good outcome for me. 
yeah okay that's fine that's fine i i, I might I, i'm interested though i i'm 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 interested in this 80 to 1 here yeah well you you bet that i think <laughs> okay, i think I, if, I think rashad white i think rashad white offensive rookie of the year is a better 80 to 1 bet mm, maybe maybe yeah. i'll think about it i'll think about it yeah all right uh what's right, uh, what's what's coming up at pff you know, the, the, the long, hot summer, uh, digesting the draft, getting best ball. It's all about the best ball content. These best ball streets are getting gold. Gold is lining the streets here with all these different drafters, best ball drafts coming out. Drafters just launched theirs $250,000 to first, which is like 10 times bigger than it was last year. It's like, in, like DraftKings is going to do, I mean, theirs is going to be so big. Yeah, but I mean, traditionally, like best ball content doesn't really do that many that much in numbers because it's just like the fantasy just football. Nerds. Yeah, yeah, the fantasy football normie is just like five billion times the size of of best ball guys. But that's probably what I'm going to be concentrating more than anything else is doing that sort of content. I think it has I think it has a better a better window to getting people interested than dynasty content, honestly, uh, in some ways. So I'll be, I'll be doing stuff there and then trying to get more into betting stuff. I, obviously I got to write up something on Daniel Jones, 81 to win, uh, uh most passing yards. So probably the, just the next thing I'll put out there. And then the podcast, unexpected points, check it out. You know? Yeah. There we go. All right, everyone, Kevin Cole, profootballfocus.com unexpected points. We will be back next week. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.